Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and a very special guest on today's show. If you haven't heard him, and you should have by now, because if you're subscribed to this podcast, you're also getting episodes of the hit show. It's Darby Robinson. You can hear him on that show with Danny Russell and Brett Phillips. They've been doing the, the greatest Rays player bracket. Uh, it's been some, some great content getting us through this extended uh, off season. But, but Darby, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brett. But before we get into the raise your voice content for this week, I have one major gripe about the the, play, the greatest raise player bracket, and it's the fact that Travis Darno was classified or was not classified rather as a folk hero. And I think that mm. really hurt him in the voting. Well, I, I don't know. I wish someone had kind of, you know, pushed him into that bracket. I think he would have done a little better. I think you might have been right. I, I think Danny and I, I think this is, this, this is all other Brett's fault. He, he was <laughs> the one that really pushed him for the prime bracket, the Neander bracket. And I think Danny and I both <laughs> disagreed. And so we sort of got blinded by that discourse where <laughs> yeah. it turned out, you know, Ryan Yarbrough gets his higher seating because of right. that. So if, if Darno would have been pushed out, he might have had a higher seating. And who knows? He might have uh, he might have had a good run there. But Right. I mean, you talk, you talk about a guy that the Rays acquired in a trade last year literally because they had no other catchers. Because every catcher on the roster was getting injured. They had to go out and get They got him and they got um, Eric uh, Kratz, right, in, uh, mm-hmm. who played like less than five games, I think, for the Rays. But you get Darno, he hits a walk-off home run against the Yankees, and then in the same season has a three-home run game against the Yankees in New York, including a game-tying three-run shot against Araldis Chapman when the Rays were down to their last strike. I mean, that is the definition of a folk hero. And then he goes on and signs a $16 million contract. I mean, I don't know. I'm just That was my biggest gripe. You guys have been doing a great job. I've been listening diligently, voting diligently, and, and, and honestly, I, I'm glad that we have content like that because uh, – it's been a long off season. How have you been getting through it? Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's been rough, but uh, I think once the KBO started, the Korean baseball yes. started, that has definitely helped to fill that like kind of gap and give some sort of, you know, it, it was really tough. You know, opening day was the hardest when that like kind of came and went mm. and you're like, Oh, I, I had tickets to opening day for the Mariners and, you know, that's like when it's like, oh, this should be super exciting, but this is bad and the whole world is falling apart and all of that sort right. of stuff. Like really, now that we've sort of like settled into the kind of groove of things and then there's the KBO and now the, the Nippon League also started. Right. But um, yeah, I think it's been nice to have like something elsewhere. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm so different. I'm even watching NASCAR. I watched the, you know, I've like, never watched NASCAR. But I couldn't do it. I try. I watched the first, I think the race at Arlington and I, I tried and uh, it just it wasn't my thing. But I am, I have picked up some other sports. I'm watching golf. I've been following oh, golf yeah. a little bit more in the KBO. Do you have a KBO team in particular? Oh, I, it's okay. So this is problematic because I, I was all Kiwoom heroes and it was thanks yeah. to our man in the East, Haman Lee. Yeah, and uh, despite the fact that Tyler Motter is on the team, and I'm like, well, I'll, I'll kind of see how he does. And turns out he did like every other team. He sort of <laughs> wore out his welcome very quickly. Um, but then they signed Addison Russell, and it's like uh, I'm still I'm still going for him because that team is packed with really young, talented yeah. players. They're not owned by one major corporation. They're kind of collectively owned. It's a different type of thing. They play in a dome. Uh, so there's a lot of that going for it. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still rooting for him, but that definitely, Ooh, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping I don't Motter have to see. And then Addison Russell. I'm not comparing Taylor Motter and Addison Russell by any no. means. Yeah. But, Ta- Taylor uh, Motter, you know, he, he's, he's got a strong personality. Addison Russell has some obviously clear, clear issues that he needs to work through, but the team is still really fun. And the KBO in general is super, super fun. I know a lot of people kind of like went into it as just sort of like, well, it's something it's baseball. I think they're going to have a lot of life, at least long-term fans. I knew, I know for me, I'm going to keep checking it right. out because I, I love international baseball and I love that kind of energy. And I can't wait to see it when they have fans, you know, in the, in the coming years, like see the true KBO experience. Yeah. And don't worry, we're going to get into some race stuff in just a second, but a little more on the KBO. It's like, I've, I, we, we all got into it really in a time when there's no fans at KBO games. And what we kept hearing is, 
you got to see what this league looks like in a regular season. It's, it's some of the most insane, fun baseball in atmospheres in the world. So I'm hoping um, the TV deals in the U.S. for the KBO continue past just this year. I know ESPN's got them through the rest of the season, and they're actually, because of the way that other countries have handled the uh, coronavirus, they're able to get some fans in the stand soon mm-hmm. in Korea, something that I don't think we're going to see in the United States this year. Who knows? Not my call to make. Um, but but I, I've been uh, I've been following the NC Dinos. I know I know they're mm. killing it this year. I don't mean to be a glory hunter. I don't mean to be a bandwagon <laughs> fan. But they were on TV like four games in that first week, so I kept seeing them. I got Sungbum Na, who might be coming to the big leagues next year, which is really mm-hmm. exciting. And so uh, the the Dinos have been my team. Uh, I know you and I both been passing the time with with MLB the Show. Uh, mm-hmm. Favorite mm-hmm. favorite Rays card on MLB the Show Diamond Dynasty. For, for, like, live series, for some reason, I just absolutely rake, like, crazy with Brandon Lau. Yeah. Like he's, he's, I think he's just a silver, and it's, like, you know, pretty pedestrian card, but, like, in, like, showdown modes when you can get, like, that, like, you know, not gold level, not diamond level, he's just, a, like, a ridiculous, this swing path or something just, like, is perfect, and he's got so much good pop that it's, like, a really sneaky good card. I don't know if it's just in my head, but left-handed hitters in MLB The Show have always mm-hmm. been, like, my go-to because I, I love the, the lefty swings brand and allow another one for the Rays, G-Man Choi. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's a 73, mm-hmm. I think on Diamond Dynasty. But yeah. He's a bronze rakes. and Choi rakes. Choi yeah. totally rakes as a bronze. So yeah. March Those to October, just, March to October, you get, you can put, mess with the lineups a little bit, bring in some interesting players and trades, but we'll have to get you on to talk, talk more. I'll be the show uh, maybe, maybe later in the year, maybe some of the other guys at D-Rays Bay uh, that are on MLB the show because lots of fun stuff to talk about there. Uh, but we do want to get into Rays baseball, which is back now. Spring training 2.0 or, or summer camp, I think as many are coming around to call it, uh, started last week. Uh, and it feels different. And, and, and we know this. We know that, that any baseball we get this year, we're, we're lucky to get, not only because of COVID-19, but then the subsequent negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Darby, I mean – with those negotiations, the fact that, for the most part, they had nothing to do with the virus. They had nothing to do with the health mm-hmm. and safety of the players and the staff and everyone that's involved in putting on a Major League Baseball season. It was all to do with money, you know, in reality. As a fan of baseball in general, uh, I know there are some people that really don't feel like watching this year for one reason or another. Did it leave – I mean, how bitter was that taste that it left in your mouth? Even though, you know, I expect you're going to be watching Rays games this year and a lot of other baseball games, uh, it's got to be tough to, to kind of watch how everything played out, right? I think it's just so frustrating in general just to see people miss the ball. You know, they're just – they're not – they were not on the ball in this whole negotiation. And and to be fair, it mostly the arms. Like, this was for – like – I would put the blame. This isn't like, a, well, both sides deserve some blame. The players union had some missteps, I think, I th- but they quickly kind of came to a fairly reasonable consensus that the owners just could not and would not like agree to, which is pay us for the games we play, which was super duper simple. And I think if the whole negotiations really were about like, and, and rightfully so, what, what they needed to do was basically, this is about how many games can we play? Maybe can we play at all? And how many games can we safely play so that the teams, the, the team employees, the players, people can do this safely? In the communities, can they do it safely? And you, like you said, they've never really kind of got around to that, or at least that wasn't the public facing part of the discussions. And that's super disappointing because really, if, if it is, I mean, I, I actually think like 60 games might be too many for how much we get. I mean, it's total speculation. We don't know what we're going to get, but like, it does seem like almost anything is going to be pretty tricky logistically for every sports league. But if that was the case, then you, the owner shouldn't be offering like 82 games, but only paying for 60. You shouldn't right. be offering a hundred games, but paying for 60. Those, those are the things that show like, oh, it's just money. If it's safety, if you're saying, I don't think we can play more than this, I think people would be totally on board with that. And then you could have just gone to a different fun tournament, shakeup. I mean, at least this year they're doing kind of the, the, the scheduling is different with, with kind of keeping East and East, Central and Central, West and West. 
but I think you could have had a really fun opportunity to kind of do what the NBA is doing. Not that they're without missteps, but mm. just be like, well, let's see something different. Let's do like a tournament. Let's do something weird, something wacky, something fun. And on a shorter, on a shorter period, on a shorter time period. And I think the way they sort of just broke it down to multiple weeks of seemingly stalling from the owners to get to the point where they'll only be possibly 60 games anyway, I just felt was a huge misstep. And if they would have just said, this is a public health thing and this is what we think we can do, I think that would have been a reasonable place. And I think both sides could have actually come to a, a, an agreement. But I think I'm really glad that the players union didn't step back from, we would like to pay, be paid the money for the games that we are playing which is incredibly reasonable for literally anybody listening to this. You should get paid for when you work and when you mm -hmm. come to work and you're like, well, we'll pay you less because we're, it's, that's just not how it should work. So. Well, in all around the country, you know, a lot of Americans and I, and I can't speak for everyone now going back to their jobs when there is a larger risk, when there is a public health risk in some situations are getting paid even more to return to work mm -hmm. because there is that risk. There is that, that chance of contracting the virus or spreading the virus to, to people, you know, and, and we, I mean, we knew this was going to happen when states started to reopen, when things started to go back to normal, even when they might not, you know, it might not have been the best idea. More people are going to get infected. That's just the, mm -hmm. the, the fact of the matter. And so, you know, for, for the owners and, and I'm never one to side with billionaires, uh, for them to say that that you know the players needed to take a bigger cut, I don't know. It was it, it, it was rough to kind of watch, and it was it got it met many points throughout the negotiations. I was like, well, we're just we're not getting a season this year. Fine, go back to you know we'll see you guys in twenty twenty one. Who knows what baseball is going to look like then? But but it really hit me the most yesterday on July fourth when although that holiday was different because I was inside and not getting mm -hmm. to celebrate with family and friends. One, because it was raining in Florida like it does every year, but, but two, because trying to remain socially distant and you know follow all the, the health and safety guidelines. I was sitting there on July 4th when there's usually you know tons of baseball to be played, and there was none. And I thought, they could have been, this could have been opening day. And that was originally, I think, one of the plans to start it you know, either July 1st or July 4th if, they had, if the owners had really you know, not offered the same thing in negotiations four or five different times in terms of the amount of money that they, they were willing to pay the players. And we've had these conversations on raise your voice. I've had, you know, Danny Russell on and JT Morgan to talk about the, the risks and the changes that are made to baseball in 2020. But the fact of the matter is, is there will be games and, and, and the Rays did report to summer camp in, in, in last week. And, and we have news. You know, I can finally, you know, go on some of these sites or and look at MLB.com and DRaysBay.com and see what's happening with Rays baseball. And that's exciting. And that's why, why Darby's on the show today. So, so some of the news, uh, Major League Baseball, when, when players reported, which I believe was last Monday, uh, they did intake testing on Wednesday. And pretty good news came out of the intake testing once all those results, were came, all those results came back. Only a 1.2% positivity rate now if these players maintain all the social distancing you would expect that number to stay pretty low maybe even get lower but i mean that's a giant question mark darby when the players reported did you think there was a chance that if there were spikes and there that, that possibility is still out there that this season that was agreed upon might not even get started i think that's still potentially a possibility i mean i think until baseball like until opening day happens i'm still got like maybe 20 percent in the back of my mind like eh, it's probably not gonna happen um <laughs> i I, th I think it's you know and that may be like the slight pessimist in me is that i'm not gonna get fully like okay yes super excited this is gonna happen until it happens um i think baseball and the players union are gonna try everything they can to have it happen because those last few months of arguing for it to just fall apart like that, I think would be just a horrible look for the sport and for kind of the, the whole league in general. So I think they're going to try everything they can. They're going to try to do everything in their possibility to get some games in and hopefully the whole season. So, but if they, if, but those, you're right, if those intake cases come back and it was just absolutely astronomical 
and like you have all of the star players and all like you know then then it becomes a little trickier and i think you might have to make a question but i think they they are so locked in at this point that they are gonna it would take something astronomical for them to have to pull the plug at at this point for all of that all that drama and all that stress to this point so for for better or worse that's i think where they're at and, and you talked about everyone kind of being locked in. We'll talk about uh, how the Rays are doing with that and, and how uh, Charlie Morton is kind of not policing his teammates, but informing and educating his teammates about how the virus can spread. I'm actually wearing my, my CFM Charlie freaking Morton <laughs> t-shirt today. I thought that was apt. Um, one thing I, I, I am just going to get out of the way on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure on DRaysBay.com as a whole, I can't speak for everyone that writes for the site, we're not going to be speculating on which Rays players may or may not have been exposed and or tested positive for COVID-19. It's, it's not really our place. The, the players, you know, are protected. You know, they should have medical privacy. And I don't know. I'll, I'll just say for Raise Your Voice, that's not something we're going to be doing. If a player goes on an injured list or on a list where they're not available to play games, I'll let you know, but I'm not going to hear, sit here and try to speculate who may or may not have tested positive or, or, or been exposed to the virus because – Honestly, it's none of my business, and we're here to talk about baseball, and uh, th- that's that. So I'm just going to leave that one there. And like I mentioned, uh, Charlie Morton reporting to camp. going to be his age 36 season, and he's got a $15 million option for next year. And a lot of people thought this might be it for Charlie Morton. He might retire at the end of the year. He had that third-year option if he you know, so chose to play in 2021. But people weren't sure, but now with this 60-game season – I think that was kind of up in the air a little bit. And uh, Charlie Morton, you know, he came out and said, he said, I don't really want to retire in a, on, in a season like this. I, this isn't how I envisioned my my career ending. And I think that that would probably go for a lot of people, a lot of players that are reaching that stage in their career. Charlie Morton, as kind of a, a leader of the race pitching staff, uh, Darby, if he were to, you know, retire, pitch, say he gets 10 starts in 2020, how much of a hole do you think that would leave in the Rays rotation going into 2021, despite there being a lot of depth through the organization? Oh, I, I think it'd be huge. I mean, both on and off the field. You mentioned with, the, with Morton, kind of like, you know, he's studying, like trying to give him info about the virus and reading articles. He, he's just such an introspective and smart player and very mature player that I think he is really helpful for a rotation that is very deep, but very young. I mean, Snell, Glasnow are two of the most talented pitchers in the league, but they have far less experience than Charlie Morton just in general in life. So let alone in baseball. And then the rest of that staff, I think it's so helpful to have a guy like Morton along with Kyle Snyder to really be that kind of almost dual-ended coach and, and kind of help people through things and keep them level-headed and kind of get that process down. But that's all, you know, that's kind of the behind the scenes. On the field, I mean, Charlie Morton is one of the best pitchers in baseball, one of the best starting pitchers. I mean, he was third in the Cy Young last year. Yeah, uh, Cy Young finalist. Uh, he is that, that curveball from, from Charlie Morton, uh, one, of the, one of the best in, in the game. And, yeah, I don't know. You, you've kind of seen it with the Rays. One guy that I always – gave credit for you know some of the credit for 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 Blake Snell and in the way he matured in Major League Baseball was Chris Archer if you Mm -hmm. look at some of Blake Snell's first starts in 2016 and 2017 if he maybe got roughed up in an inning or you know had a bad outing the first guy on the top step to, to put his arm around Blake and talk to him in the dugout was Chris Archer and I, maybe people don't view Archer in that kind of mentor's role, but I think he was that for Blake Snell. And I think you're seeing Morton do that with some of the other race pitchers, including Tyler Glasnow. A lot of shots on the broadcast would show, you know, Uncle Charlie and, and Tyler Glasnow chatting about baseball and pitching um, throughout the season. And as a race fan, you, you hope he pitches amazing this year, comes back and gets a 30 start season next year before he can either keep playing or ride it off into the sunset. But ultimately that's going to be his his decision I, I do really enjoy the fact and he, and he spoke to the media about this how he is kind of taking it upon himself to be doing research on the virus to to one make sure that all the players and their families stay safe but two 
that the Rays can be as competitive as possible in trying to compete for a title this year. It, it reminds me, uh, I don't know, Darby, I don't, I'll speak for myself, but you know, my dad and my grandpa, like when I told them I was going to Tallahassee to go to Florida State, they both started researching everything about Tallahassee. Where are the restaurants? Where are the mechanics? You know, where can you go exercise and stuff like that? And so it sounds like Charlie Morton is kind of the, the father figure in the clubhouse where he's, he's letting all the kids know, you know, this is how you can stay away from coronavirus or do the best job you possibly can. Um, Blake Snell, who we dedicated two episodes of Raise Your Voice to earlier during this uh, extended off season one was just to talk about him winning the players tournament and how great Blake Snell can be in 2020 because of, I think how good he still was in 2019, despite his surface level statistics, not really showing it. And then a few days later, Blake Snell made national news and was the lead story on pretty much all of ESPN's programming. I mean, you know, first take, get up, uh, around the horn, pardon the interruption. He was on all those shows. I had never really seen a Rays player dominate <laughs> an entire 24-hour sports news cycle, uh, you know, with that much attention on him. But Blake Snell did it with some of the comments he made on his Twitch channel. He is a, you know, he streams his video games on Twitch. It's a medium in which he can be himself. It's a medium where he can be authentic and, and kind of raise his own voice, uh, as I would say. And he talked about the dangers of returning to baseball in 2020. And he even spoke about some of the financial issues that were involved with that return to baseball. Darby, I guess I'll ask your opinion on this first. You know, when, when you heard those comments from Blake or saw that video clip, I think I know where you stand on this situation, but but what what was your opinion of that? Did you did you love to see Blake kind of raise his voice there? I do. I, I I like that. I like that radical candor from people. Like you know, I like I love Tommy Fan because he just would you know cut right through all the BS and and say <laughs> what it is. I, I like that's what I like about Charlie Morton. I think he he like speaks from his heart. And Blake Snell, it comes out a little different. Obviously, you know, he's on he's on Twitch. He's playing video games. And Snell is young. He has kind of that sort of brash style. Might rub people the wrong way, but the content was great. I mean, it was, yeah. he was on, he, so it was sort of that leadership role, right? That he's sort of taken this off season as a very visible player. And it's kind of almost in that like Tim Anderson role, right? You might, it might really piss off kind of old school folks or. You can, or we can or, say you know, boomers. We can yeah. say boomers on here. <laughs> I, I, uh, that, that kind of like, you know, oh, is he, is he playing the game the right way? Is he saying this the right way? I just like to see players like Tim Anderson, like Blake Snell, that just, they just say what they feel, what they do and, and be a person, be a real human. And yeah, he, that was what he was feeling. And honestly, if you look at, again, it comes almost back to those fam comments that he got in so much trouble the last season for with Snell, all these comments, the, maybe the tone, the way it comes out and when it's clipped for ESPN or, or for Fox uh, Sports and for like, you know, those little sound bites, like, and those little clips on Twitter, it might sound really kind of reckless or ignorant, but really when you think of it, he was getting ahead of that player's message, which is, I would like to be paid for the games we're playing. It's really risky what we're doing anyway, but at the very least, I'm not gonna take another pay cut, a second pay cut, to risk my life. And that's unbelievably reasonable, especially for a young guy. And we've seen, you know, we, we have no idea what this virus does. And we won't probably for another 10 years in terms of the real effects, right? And so, yeah, he might be risking his life playing. We don't know. And honestly, yeah, they're already taking one pay cut. Now taking a second one to do that. I absolutely love the candor the the fire the the passion you know it, would we all really want this player who's a Cy Young who's this leader who we want to be the guy that's like leading the way for this team for the next 10 years do we want this guy to be completely oblivious or ho-hum about really important things going on no we want him mm -hmm. to be a person that has a strong opinion about things that are really important so yeah I you know what Blake Snell nothing to apologize for Keep right, you. right, and I, I like the way you said it because there are people I know that said, you know, Brett, what do you think of, of what you know, what what the question was, Brett, what do you think of the way Blake Snell went about? It? He sounds like, 
who cares about the way he went about saying it? Listen to what the man said. And, and I think you just broke it down perfectly. He was really ahead of the curve because that became the player's stance from, from that point on. The first, you know, big name player to, to publicly back him up was Bryce Harper, arguably one of the biggest brand, personal brands in the sport today. And, and Blake Snell, yeah, a full, I'm fully four players voicing their opinions in, in really – Players today, I think not only in Major League Baseball, but a lot of other professional leagues and college football and, and sports all across the world are really kind of understand the power they have. They are the product. Without them, there is no professional sports. There is no big-time sports. So, yeah, all for Blake Snell. And, and, and that leads us to, to the news of this week, which is when Blake Snell spoke to the media. He was not asked to apologize, but asked if he wanted to say anything on the matter and, and maybe – apologize for some of the things he said and he said you know what listen I, I I apologize I can see he 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 acknowledged I can see why some of the things I said or the way I said them might have offended people but then he doubled down he said but what I said was true which it was and, I, and I'll keep telling people today listen to what he said you know he he all he asked for was a safe you know a safe baseball season which he thinks and he says they're getting I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows for sure how safe it is, um, but he feels comfortable or at least as comfortable as he could be with the circumstances returning to baseball and pay for the amount of games that, that are being played. So he, he said he apologized specifically for the quote, I got to get mine, which just means getting paid for the amount of games that they're going to play. Like, right. If you don't like the phrasing, I'm sorry, but that's just what it means. Um, but he, he said it. What I said was true, and he, you know, he's going to stand by that. And, and I, I really appreciate that. And I, and I, and I, think, I, I, I think the Rays backed him up with that. You know, maybe not publicly, but they said, you know, listen, you can, you know, they didn't force him to retract his statement or to issue this, this apology. And I, I think the, there are other organizations around baseball and around professional sport that definitely would have had, you know, their players put out a, a, a blanket apology. I'm sorry for offending anyone. And I'm glad the Rays didn't, didn't force Blake Snell to do that. I think it just shows to how, how progressive the Rays are on a number of issues regarding players and everything else in general. So more on summer camp. It's, it's weird. The, the workouts are staggered. There's only so many players allowed on the field at one time and it's nothing like spring training where you have a full month's worth of exhibition games major league teams were allowed to schedule up to three exhibition games but with most teams running their big league camps out of their home stadiums it wasn't really likely that anyone was going to travel to play an exhibition game while there's still well there's less than three weeks before the start of the season as of now the rays have no exhibition game scheduled the one possibility for that to change would be if the Blue Jays report or they, they switch their camp and start playing home games at their Dunedin Stadium, their spring training stadium, and the home of the Dunedin, Dunedin Blue Jays of the Florida State League, you could potentially see the Rays schedule a game there with the Blue Jays before opening day. Even if the Blue Jays move to Florida for this season or for at least part of this season, I don't expect them to schedule a game with the Rays, especially because I think they open the season against the Blue Jays. I know it's not like football where you're giving away a game plan necessarily. Um, but Darby, do you think uh, an exhibition game, especially if the Rays would be the only, one of the only teams to, to schedule one of those, do you think it would be beneficial going into the season or do you think they can get their work in just practicing amongst themselves? I trust in the team to know what they really need. Um, I don't know how much exhibition and like spring training type atmosphere of games really prepares you more than just the reps you know I mean I think the biggest right. thing right now is getting getting batters those swings in getting that timing you know get the rust off and for pitchers really it's just whether they're pitching live BP or against a team I, I think it's just that that arm you need to kind of start to wind it up and kind of get that those reps in so I, I trust in the team if they don't really see a huge value into it I I can't disagree with that I um I think right now with how tenuous everything is, I think sticking to the safest sort of plan to just get people healthy and keep people healthy, uh, both, you know, physically the baseball side of health, you know, pitchers not like overexerting themselves and just getting those uh, arms ready to go for the, the 60 game season. I think that's more important than 
kind of, I guess, mimicking game action. Because Spring Train never really gets that mimic of game action anyway. Right. I mean, if you play one nine-inning game, if, say, everyone plays, you know, all your, all your starters play, that's four plate appearances. You know, that's probably no more than two innings for any pitcher that would go that day. Is that really beneficial at all, or at least to a point where it would be significant going into the season? I don't think so, especially when you've got enough players reporting to camp that you could do intra-squad games. You, mm-hmm. you can do some simulated action. I know there's some rules that you can't have so many players in the field, so that might make things more difficult. But, yeah, like you said, the pitchers with the innings, I've been saying for a while, I think for Rays fans, you shouldn't expect any of the starters to go more than four innings to start the season. Maybe you let a guy like Charlie Morton go five. Uh, I doubt he goes into the sixth inning until later in the season. If then, who knows? You know, we he's a guy that doesn't really like to do that anyway. He he's already sort of said like he would rather give five great innings than like seven to eight okay innings. Like he he's the guy that has that thought of I want to go all out and give the best possible innings and not necessarily try to like go deeper because especially with a team with a good bullpen give five great get out of there well he doesn't like going four and two thirds leaving with the bases loaded at Fenway Park uh and go you know getting pulled for Adam Kalarik but that's a different story again <laughs> I, I defended cash for that decision much to my dad's chagrin but uh <laughs> he, he you know he can be old school in that way but um yeah I, I don't you know Morton Snow and Glasnow especially with the injury issues they dealt with last season you know, I think you're going to get for the start of the season, if not most of the season, three or four innings out of those guys, which is in some ways exciting because if, if those guys take the mound, knowing they're going to, you know, have, you know, just three ups, you know, they're going to go out there and throw, you know, no more than 50 or 60 pitches. They can just let it loose. And you can see a guy like Blake Snell going out there, going nine up, nine down with nine strikeouts on his day, knowing he's only going to go three innings. And, and the Rays' bullpen and the Rays' depth with, with, with the pitching, uh, and I've said it, I think a lot of people are saying it, even the odds uh, in Vegas are kind of reflecting it. It's really making the Rays a strong favorite to go deep in the postseason this year. The way they're built, especially, and they've already, you know, this is the team that kind of introduced the world to the opener and, and the bulk guy and bullpenning and in, as like a strategy, as like a, well, the fifth starter we don't really have a fifth starter that's good enough to try to give six innings to. So let's give, you know, two really great innings followed by another three great innings from this guy. And then one, 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 and they're a team built for this kind of weirdness. You know, when it comes to weirdness, the Rays are the team that you want to like turn to. And yeah, I I love the idea that, especially because the team does have a pretty deep starting pitching rotation. You have guys like McKay, Yarbrough and Chirinos all fighting for a spot. They don't need to fight for a spot. You, You know, you could piggyback a, a Snell and then Yanni Chirinos back to back. That is a tough six innings where each guy gets three. And then suddenly you're facing Alvarado Castillo, you know, row with his slider and then Anderson at the back end. I mean, it, the team with this much kind of pitching depth, especially with the number one bullpen in baseball uh, in Fangraphs war last year, that's a lineup for a season that you're expecting maybe that, ace level starter to maybe be a little devalued by the fact that with the stop start from this off season, maybe only 10, 15 starts that sort of plays well into the race favor. Yeah. And, and you look at one, one statement made by Kevin cash, uh, I thought was, was really interesting uh, when he, when he spoke to the media, you know, one of these first few days of camp, he says the plan for Brendan McKay is to be on a five-day rotation. And I don't know if that means making sure he's in a situation where he can throw every five days. That doesn't necessarily mean the big league club, but if it's not with the big league club, it's not going to be in a regular season game because there is no minor league baseball this season. I think we'll talk a little bit about that in, in just a second. But you look at the Rays starters, you've got Snell, Morton, Glass now. Then you've got uh, Yarbrough, Torinos, and McKay. And if McKay, if the plan for him is to pitch every fifth day, does that if, – if Cash meant for him to pitch every fifth day on the big league club, does that push a guy like uh, Yarbrough or Chirinos to the bullpen? Does that mean maybe they'll both pitch on the same day, going two and two innings or three and three innings? It, it's interesting. And it's a guy that McKay, I, I think, is about done with the two-way player experiment, especially with the way things are going to be this year. I don't think there's going to be many opportunities for him to get at-bats 
Um, but an interesting thing to note with, with how the Rays are going to manage the pitching staff, it is, we, I talked about it with Danny, and I talked about it again with JT, but I, I'll ask Darby. The fact that the, they're going from 30 players to 28 to 26 and not allowed to expand in the last month of the season or at any point towards the end of the season, I thought that was quite a bit backwards. I thought they maybe should have just stayed 30-man roster or at least 28-man roster throughout. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think expanded rosters this year, especially throughout the whole thing was, that's what I assumed that they were going to do. And I was kind of surprised that there was any idea or even kind of backlash against it, really. Um, Competitively, often for most teams, you're not really going to need, like the Yankees are not going to need, like need that 30th man to come in to be, to you know, replace Aaron Judge uh, or, or Stan. You know, if everybody's healthy, they're just going to run the same nine for 60 games if they can. Um, so you're really like, I feel like it's just like this added benefit of making sure people are healthy, making sure people are around. You can maybe get people in and out. Um, yeah, I, I thought it would seem like a no-brainer, but baseball baseball this offseason has not really done a lot of things that were no-brainer. So they've, they've complicated every issue possible. So why not complicate this one? Yeah, it's it's just weird. If you're you're cutting the roster down during a, a shortened season when there's all these, you know, there's a shortened spring training. It's not a normal year. These guys already got ramped up in March, and then some of them, I'm pretty sure, didn't do a damn thing from the time baseball shut down until they reported to camp last week. Which you know, I'm not that's their decision. But the fact that it's going to get to a point where you have to remove two guys from the roster in the middle of the season. I, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of ridiculous. But, but like you said, uh, what, what can we expect from Major League Baseball? Uh, we're going to be right back, right back. But uh, we're going to take a quick break right here. And we are back uh, talking summer camp. Love summer camp. Um, even though, I don't know, it's not I, – I usually like following all the, the, the beat reporters for the Rays and seeing all their crappy cell phone pictures of <laughs> players in the batting cages. But this year, I don't know. It just feels weird watching them take videos from the press box. Uh, it's Unless it's Yandy Diaz. Like, give me Yandy Diaz on Twitter all day long. Uh, I think he got bigger. I don't know how that was possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. He's just like bench pressing his house in the offseason. <laughs> I, I am I am so ready for some Yandi home runs. And then when you add Yoshi and, and Hunter Renfro to the lineup, apparently they were killing it the last couple of days in batting practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another guy, and there's an interesting storyline out of batting practice here, is G-Man Choi, the Rays' left-handed hitting first baseman that was taking some swings from the other side of the plate, giving it a shot right-handed. And, and, and Darby, you mentioned that he's actually tried this before in the minor leagues before. Yeah, very briefly, but uh, in AAA with the Mariners, he he had uh, uh, Haman Lee bats. posted. Yeah, about that. fifteen plate appearances, fourteen at bats, um, two plate appearances, and two walks against the Rady. So about seventeen total. Uh, yeah, got six hits, a double. You know, so sweet. That's, that's pretty solid from AAA level. That's uh, showing that it's not completely just like you know, trying out a whole different thing. So (laughs) he's maybe had some, I guess, at least thought of this before. It's always tricky with switch hitting. I mean, it's one of the most difficult things. And to have a great player switch hit is still even really rare. You know, your Chipper Jones types, that's a pretty hard thing to do. A lot of times you see a lot of switch hitters are sort of adequate from both sides or have one that's a little bit better. So with a guy like G-Man who has pretty big splits, if he could just, if this is like anywhere serious, which I don't really believe it is, but if it is something he has been thinking of, he's already a guy that you kind of want to platoon against lefties anyway. So I guess trying it right-handed, eh, summer camp, it's time to try stuff. <laughs> Why not? Is it though? Is it? I don't know. With G-Man, I wonder if it's almost a sign to Jose Martinez that they just don't want him to take the field at all this year. They're like, you can DH Jose. We really don't want you at first base or definitely not in the outfield. Uh, so, you know, either pick it up defensively or G-Man's going to take some, some first base uh, innings against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I don't think it's serious, 
but who knows? I guess something to keep an eye on for Rays fans. If he's G Man's just a fun player, so like if if he's deciding why not try right hand, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's see G Man try everything. He wants to become new Brendan McKay. Be like, you know what, (laughs) Brendan McKay, you're now a pitcher. I'm the two way player now. Let's do it. I'm in. And they they took away the restrictions. I think this season on the position player pitching rules because they were Mm -hmm. supposed to be like you couldn't you couldn't pitch a position player unless you're up by a certain amount of runs at a certain point in the game. So. Maybe we'll see pitcher G-Man at some point this season. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He was in the folk hero bracket. He wasn't in the oh, Neander oh, bracket. Oh, yeah. He was in the folk hero bracket. Don, you know, did very well. And it's it's looking like you're going to have a potential G-Man, Yandi, Dan Jones. Like, there, there's a, a, a three-way really interesting race there. I think – the bracket, and there's nothing wrong with this because the last couple of years have been some amazingly fun seasons for, for Rays fans. There's a lot of recency bias going on in the voting. You're seeing yeah, guys we, like G-Man get a huge pop. We definitely noticed that. <laughs> and I think, I think when, you know, you're going to see potentially guys like Akinori Uemura or Sam Fold, if Dan Johnson goes down to the, the most recent guys, you, you know, you can probably chalk that up to recency bias. The thing is, though, G-Man, he's, he, he is like one of these players, especially G-Man, and that really has emerged, like from like almost the jump, has been a beloved player right. on the team. So I feel like he's a guy that has some lasting power as just this kind of like legendary, fun guy that just emerges and just everybody loves him, you know? With, with, the, with, the Rays kind of took a flyer on him. They, they traded Brad Miller and brought him in. And then you're yeah. thinking, okay, G-Man's going to fill in, but we got Jake Bowers. He's going to come in and play first base, and then he gets traded. And they're like, all right, well, we got this guy, Nate Lowe, coming through the liners, another left-handed hit power first baseman. He'll take his spot. And, and Nate Lowe's still around and probably will get a play for the Rays. But you're like, yeah, maybe push him to the side for a little bit longer. We've got G-Man. He keeps pushing over these top prospects and, and holding his own at first base. He's a thick guy. He's a fluffy guy. But he's not as slow as people would think. He's not as bad at first base as people would think. And he's really starting to swing it. Last year, he had an amazing season at the plate. Yeah, I mean, him him and Yandi kind of combining in a platoon at first to be the sixth or seventh best first baseman in all of baseball by Fangraphs War. Um, he, yeah, he's – he's uh, and he's just the guy that you want in the clubhouse. You know, him him and, like, Willie Adamas in particular have – have like really kind of bonded and he's just that guy first into the uh, celebrations. I think Trisha Whitaker just, uh, she's been like trying to, you know, kind of have these fun reliving of the uh, season moments. And she was talking about the time that she got dunked by Gatorade <laughs> bath from, from G man who Portrait. targeted straight at her. No, no, no like attempt for somebody else. It was definitely aiming for Trisha. Yeah, this, this team and the 2019 specifically, I don't know if there's ever been a raised team, that's got so many great personalities. That's also been good at the same time. I, and, and maybe social media lends itself to this, but, mm. you know, even the 2008 team, which, you know, is a completely different story, best race team ever all the way to the World Series. But were they as fun as the 2019 Rays or even the 2018 Rays, which had some really fun characters as well? I don't know. And, and I, I think it probably is a little bit. There's a lot more exposure, social media, the, the way they, you know, the, the product is presented is a lot different but the 2008 team kind of you know they had some 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 mean personalities you know you had like the troy percival you're like i don't want to bump into that guy on the street that, that <laughs> dan willer dan wheeler uh trevor miller you know you had cliff floyd these big willie ibar was ibar on the 08 team i don't know yep. yep. Arakinski. Yep. you know you guys had you know these big burly guys and then you know you got the 2019 rays you got yandy which is a different story but you got willie adamas and, and you got uncle charlie morton and g-man troy and, just a, a fun bunch of players that's also a, just a really damn good baseball team, uh, at least in 2019, hopefully in 2020 as well. Speaking on Willie Adamas, probably my favorite quote thus far. I don't know how many great quotes we're going to get this season because it doesn't seem like it's going to be the most fun season with all the, the guidelines that are in place. Obviously, no fans. Players have to be socially distant. But Willie Adamas said that uh, his biggest worry about the shutdown and having to stay at home was not getting fat. So I'm just glad that I wasn't alone in that endeavor to, to not get fat during quarantine. And uh, so, so you, you and me both, Willie, I'm glad you didn't get fat. I'm glad we're going to get to see you at shortstop this year for the Rays. Uh, but Darby, we got to talk about it. The, uh, the, the announcement was made last week. 
no minor league season at all this year. Uh, I, I wanted to let you kind of get the chance to raise your voice on this, but we, we've been expecting some sort of minor league contraction, and we knew that if there was a minor league season this year, it was going to be different. There were only five rounds in the draft, and we've talked about that a lot and the dangers of that and why that wasn't the best decision by Major League Baseball. Not having a minor league season, how detrimental is that, especially for an organization like the Rays, who at this point in time is relying so heavily on their farm system, how detrimental is that going to be for the development of the players that are not a part of the 60-man player pool that are working out at either Tropicana Field or, or Port Charlotte right now? I think we're not going to fully understand how truly, truly bad and, and affecting this is to players' career until years down the line. And, and this is for the Rays and for all of the all of the baseball teams out there. I mean, like you're, you're talking about so many livelihoods and careers that might get cut short because a year of development time. I mean, that's massive. That's huge. That I mean, that you may never recover from that. I mean, I think you know, if with the Rays, they they a lot of teams have sort of done that is like really aggressively pulling you know some of their either the most likely guys that could contribute this year, the Rays have sort of done that, you know, a lot of guys like Wander and Vidal Bergeon and, and, and players that could sub in, but a lot of teams you see in like the, you know, the Padres and other teams like that, that have like pulled like 18 year olds who yeah. they just need to get reps because man, a year, every year is so, so huge at every step of the level, push that off a year. I mean, the whole career trajectories sort of change and we're really not going to see the ripple effects of this for, for years down the line. But I, I can't imagine this is, this is not going to be a, a really devastating uh, moment for a lot of teams. And it's, and it's especially bad for like fringe players, right? So like the Rays mm -hmm. have done so well, obviously they have huge, huge prospects like Wander Franco. I don't think, I think he could, he could He'll be, fine. be great in any, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pure apocalypse and Wander Franco still crushing 30 bombs, but you think about guys like maybe like a Brandon Lau, uh, who was not, he was a good prospect at points, thought of as sort of an afterthought at other points, started to really emerge, went from double A AA to triple A to the majors. Is a guy like Brandon Lau kind of lost in the shuffle with a year development gone? Maybe he comes back, he's not trained quite up, you know, he's having to do it on his own. And then some other people pass him up, you know, another year draft, other guys go through. Those, those guys that can be really good players in, in baseball. And, and that's sort of the story of baseball is these guys that aren't the top prospects, that aren't the, the highest profile guys that really earned their way into that spot. Are they going to get lost by next year's draft class? Are they going to get lost by a year of training that in that pivotal moment that they needed that really good coach and the Rays have such great coaches throughout the league, they can really get that perfect moment in double a that kind of unlocks something that changes their career trajectory from just a minor leaguer to oh this guy could be a two three win player in the in the majors for 10 years when that's lost and that's going to be lost this year we're going to see maybe careers that could have been something and we're never going to know about it and there's like a whole alternate history i think of some players that and it's really tragic. I mean, I think if, if people don't follow, I want people to go out and follow Emily Walden, who writes for The Athletic, right. who's really, really great uh, kind of covering the minor leagues and, and in particular covering kind of the story of the, you know, humanizing minor league baseball players. And when it comes to athletes, we, we tend to either kind of tear them down or, or build them up to these like God tier statuses. But what Emily Walden does, and her voice is so, so important in this, is to really show that there's people behind this. And these people are going to be really devastated, like, like so many Americans with this, with this virus. But this decision to, you know, cancel the league with, you know, there's, there's good reasons behind it, obviously. But the, the continued sort of detrimental effects of contraction, you know, this virus, and potentially not putting in that effort or money into the minor leagues, Baseball is doing a disservice, and it's doing a disservice to these people. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. And, yeah, Emily Wallen, perfect person to follow. And if you're subscribed to The Athletic, a, a great read whenever she puts something out. Uh, an example of a, a fringe player, I guess you could call him, 
the, the number one player in the Neander region of the bracket, Kevin Kiermeyer, who got the big leagues on his defense alone. Could a guy like that get passed up on him? He was drafted in the 30th something round when he was picked out of high school. And Joe Madden kept consistently telling him, this is a big league defender. The bat's got to get there. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. But the defense has made him a, a consistent big league player in the face of the Rays you know, team for the last few years. So it's going to change baseball. We might not ever really truly understand what the effects are. I know there's a lot of stories when the draft was shortened to five rounds about here's this player you might not have ever heard of because he wouldn't have been drafted. Here's this guy that, you know, was taken in the eighth round. I think Paul Goldschmidt or something was, was an example that was getting used a lot. And, you know, even with the shortened draft, some teams signed free agents afterwards. The Rays, as of the time of recording – I don't expect them to really sign anyone at this point have not signed an undrafted free agent. And I know some of the factors are out of their control. Like the fact that you can't sign them for more than $20,000. That's not really enticing for many players that still have eligibility left, which is at this point, pretty much everyone in the country um, in the NCAA. So yeah, it's, it's sad. It's something that uh, I hope we, we don't lose as much minor league baseball as I think we might one because more baseball is, is always good, but also because some of these teams and some of these small towns across the United States, those teams are a huge source in the economy. They're obviously one of the main sources of entertainment in a lot of places across the country. And uh, it, it, it would be sad to, to see them get contracted and, and diminish the talent pool in, in baseball. Um, I guess, Not to end that on a sad note, I didn't want to really end this show on that, but uh, – Darby, just thank you. Thank you for coming on today. It, it felt good. I, I, I wrote about it when we launched Raise Your Voice on D-Rays Bay. This is a recap show, and what better time to uh, launch a baseball recap podcast than in the midst of a global pandemic when we're all locked in our houses and there's no baseball being played. But now that's changing. I can have you guys like you on and the rest of the great writers at DRaysBay.com on the show to recap race baseball. Hopefully we get a full 60-game season and then some for the Rays, but but Darby, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Oh, for sure. And and, and guys, if you haven't, and again, if you're subscribed to this show, the the episodes are already getting downloaded on your device. Listen to the hit show. Listen to the greatest Rays player bracket. Darby, Danny, and, and Brett Phillips have been doing a great job on that. Even if they didn't classify Travis Darnell in, in the best spot, uh, I'll, I'll forgive them. I've actually been editing the shows for them. So I'm getting, I'm actually getting a sneak peek into each episode before they're available to the public. Um, but thank you guys for listening today. If, if you, if you download or if you subscribe to this podcast, you get new episodes of this show and the hit show downloaded directly to your device. If your platform allows it rating and reviewing this podcast feed is the best way to keep spreading it to more and more race fans. Make sure to check out all the great work over at dracebay.com as we get you ready for the start of the race season. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week.